Welcome back. It's season two of Industrial Strength Marketing. We are here to help you make marketing the strength of your industrial business. You should be here if you are a company, a leader, a marketer, or even a seller focused on a company throughout the supply chain. If you're going to make marketing the strength of your business, one of the things you have to do is you have to get out there and you have to learn. So we're gonna be interviewing and launching our podcast segment this year. So we're going beyond YouTube, we're going to the podcast segment, and we're also going to be atomizing our content so you can find it everywhere throughout the web, including our very own site, for and by industrial marketers, news, info, technology trends. That's industrialmarketer.com. You know me, I'm founder and CEO of Industrial Strength Marketing, our industrial agency brand, industrialmarketer.com. And you'll soon find me on jamessoto.com, AKA The Industrialist. That's where I'm gonna have some great conversations with icons of industry and those aspiring to be. Check it out, we'll introduce it here. We're gonna have great opportunities to lift you up and share the best of industry, authors, experts, the marketing and communications technology space, the folks that are driving the, the transition to Industry 4.0 and manufacturing the businesses of the future. Come join us every week here at Industrial Strength Marketing. I am here with Randy Bro, president of Motion Industries, a top modern distribution management industrial distributor. It's a company that's going beyond industrial distribution to rethink the segment, question the status quo, and it's led by Randy Bro, president. Thanks for being here, Randy. Thanks for having me, James. It's good to be with you again. It's always good to see you. And uh, uh, you got a great show going here, and I really appreciate the opportunity to spend a few minutes with you this morning. Okay, great. So I really appreciate that. Um, thanks for being such a friend in business and, and what you do for your team and families that work for you. Um, I really want to dive in today to a couple of things um, and, you know, really thinking about our audience. We have folks that are early stage marketers, mid-level marketers, um, folks that are, you know, you know, more senior positions and, and, and kind of rare, the chief marketing officer. We also have a lot of folks who listen who are really in the, the sales side of it and they're driving sales and trying to innovate there. We have folks that look at the finance side, the folks that look at the digital marketing and technology ops, whether it's the chief digital officer, technology officer, CFO, or even CEO. We're trying to inspire tough conversations, Randy. And so, you know, um, just to kind of start us off, I want to talk a little bit about the challenges. Um, but before we do that, like, just give our audience a little, little background on yourself and your journey as a marketer to where you are today in motion. Sure. Well, you know, I started off uh, uh, with a, graduating with a degree in marketing from Nichols State University, a small school in South Louisiana. And, um, it, you know, the first few jobs I got offered coming out of school were all sales jobs. And I kept thinking, why am I getting offered sales jobs? I want a marketing job. And most people didn't understand the difference between sales and marketing. But for some reason along the way, it was clear in my mind. A sales job deals with the here and now, today. Marketing deals with tomorrow. What's going to happen tomorrow? How do you get a customer to make a decision tomorrow that sales can capture now? You know, if, you, if you're following that, you know, I always was told by one of my mentors, marketing is the engine that pulls the sales train. So think about it. Marketing is the engine that is telling us where to go. Sales captures 
the customers when we get to that destination. So I've always thought of marketing as a leader position, if you will, uh, a more of a strategy position, not so much a sales position where you, you're trying to close an order today and then you move on to the next one. Marketing is, is forever, you know? So uh, when you're developing a marketing strategy, it's not about today, it's about tomorrow. It's about the future. It's about where you're going, not where you are. And, and to me, that was one of the biggest challenges along the way. I, I did have the opportunity to work in sales and I've had the opportunity to work in marketing. And I have to tell you, for me, marketing was the fun part of the job. Um, I like the selling side, but I really love the marketing side because marketing allows you to develop a strategy and a plan and then execute on that and see the results. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, marketing and sales does have an interesting relationship. Um, often there's friction between the two, you know, attributing, attribution of events, left hand working well. Um, how do you see marketing and the sales function? Do you see them as one integrated unit? Is it a, is it a revenue generating team? Do you see it as, um, how, you know, where are you in that mindset in terms of looking at you know, yeah, so sales teams? It's a great question, you know, and I think first and foremost, I would say, you know, marketing and sales are on the same team. You know, there's one team and they're both members of the team, but they both perform a different role on the team. So marketing's role is to find the opportunities for the salespeople. Salespeople are to go take advantage of the opportunities. And if you have a sales organization and a marketing organization that are not synced up, that are not in tune with each other and supportive of each other, you're not going to have much success sure. in my mind. So, so, you know, so, 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 so if they're not synced up, they're not going to have success. If they're not really looking at themselves, did I get it right? If as a like cohesive unit, um, they're, they're, you know, they're not going to get to where they need to be. Is that, is that way you see it? That's the way I see it. You know, when I look at, uh, at our company today at motion industries, you know, uh, both sales and marketing have a seat at the same table. So I think that's very important. You know, um, you can't push your marketing guys off in the corner and, uh, you know, expect sales to, uh, to, to lead the way. And in the same sense, you can't push sales in the corner and expect marketing to lead the way. They both have to have a seat at the table. However, marketing should be looking at what, what's happening down the road a little bit. Marketing should be looking at what are my customers' needs going to be a week from now, a month from now, a year from now. Sales is responsible for what are my customers' needs today and how do I fulfill those needs today. So there's got to be a really unique relationship between sales and marketing to form that bond where one helps the other. Um, you know, marketing is interesting, and marketing was once defined to me by one of my mentors is this. You know, first you get a share of the mind then you get a share of the wallet. Marketing's responsibility is to get a share of the customer's mind. Sales responsibility is to get a share of their wallet. So think about that as to, you know, what activities marketing does versus what activities sales does. Marketing is getting that mind share, whether it be through traditional print advertisement, whether it be through digital advertisement, whether it be through social media. Whatever the platform or the format that marketing is using, they have one thing and one thing only to do, and that is to get a piece of mind share of that customer. 
Yeah. Once they get that mind share, then they flip it to sales, and it's sales responsibility to get that wallet share. You know, I, I think you're 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 hitting on something. You know, there's a lot of ways we can say these things, right, Randy? So, one of the things that um, the way I've heard it put, and I think it's in both ways are are you know, somewhat related, is that it's not just it's it's the mind, right? But it, what are we really talking about? Getting folks' attention, right? And um, and it's so hard to get attention. Everyone's competing for it. Everyone's putting out a deluge of content. Am I correct? <laughs> um, no, you're right. And, and, and then when sales comes in, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of folks, you know, from my experience say, um, sales, actually, every time there's a human involved, it's actually friction, right? People can go online, they can get their own information. And so we've got to get their attention. You know, you've got to have those, um, you know, um, those intercepts of people at very key strategic moments. They have to add value to the equation. And, and, you know, when you really look at it from a mind wallet standpoint, I could see, you know, an example of someone thinking, well, you just got to go sell and close the deal, you know, but, but what I run into Randy and, and, and I'm curious in the mind wallet, you know, framework, how you see it is we look at it in three buckets. We look at it is, you know, you know, we still see there's an important part of the human relationship that is, you know, uh, the three R's, our reputation, our relationship and and those referrals or introductions it brings, you know. So that's why we still see folks going to trade shows and things like that. Um, the second bucket we see is, you know, the like the integrated marketing cycle, the you know, social, paid media, you know, PR and earned media that's published, you know, by others, and and you know, and the, and, the, and obviously the you know social and the content you generate yourself, you know, the content and assets you own yourself. So that's you know, inbound marketing, account based marketing, lots of the you know, the jargon we can talk about in marketing there. And then the third, you know, area we, we see is this outbound marketing. And, you know, there's a lot of folks using like software type selling where they're, you know, they're not just order takers. They're, they're reaching out to people. They're targeting their ideal, you know, customer profile and reaching out. Um, you know, to what extent do you see that in like, you know, those, those things in the mind wallet equation? Well, I think they're all components. I mean, and, and we use every one of them. Um, I don't know that there's one that's better than the other. I, I think that the the aspect of a relationship with your customer will never go away. I think what's changed, though, is the type of relationships you have. And marketing can play a big role in developing a relationship just as sales plays a big role in that relationship. Um, you know, you think about a lot of your online distributors today um, they've developed a relationship with their customers it's just a different type of relationship than the face-to-face personal relationship but you know as well as I do that there are some online sites that you go to that are much better than others and that is that is a relationship that's been developed with that online site and the customer if they get an easy experience a very friendly experience that's an area of our business that we constantly work on is how do we make that that user experience more friendly because that that's the basis of our online relationship. So so that's one aspect. The second is though, today we have more data available to us from a marketing standpoint than we've ever had before as it relates to what customers do, what their needs are, what do they buy, when do they buy it? So if you're in the marketing team, 
if you're on the marketing team and you're really doing your job well, you're feeding that information to your sales team and your sales team is taking that information to really capitalize on it with their customers to become more valuable. You mentioned the word value and the value that you bring to your customer. If you don't have a strong marketing and sales relationship, you're not going to create the most value possible to deliver to that customer. So, so it's very important that marketing and sales work hand in hand to develop that value for that customer. Yeah, I think the, I think you nailed it there. If, if if you don't develop the value, there's no equitable exchange, right? And relationships are about equitable exchanges, right? And creating those great moments. That's right. Find that opportunity. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting. You know, we talk in jargon like UX and UI and you know, experience and customer experience and CX and all that stuff. And uh, I just love the way you put it. It's, it's, you know, when you look at getting the mind and the attention and you deserve the wallet, right? And someone that walks you through that point, hopefully human touch in many cases, sometimes through um, the other um, person, which it seems like you've really framed like the user experience, say of your website or your, you know, motion industries commerce is, is it, you see it as being friendly, the, it, it's like it's it's actually you see it as a relationship and i think that's really novel in the sense sure. that it's it's really you're facilitating an online relationship and with the advent and introduction of ai like chatbots you don't even know you're talking to a chatbot half the time so i think that mindset of leveraging technology to reflect your values and a true friendship and trust and value is is really an important way to look at it yeah, you, you have to uh, look at it that way because, you know, I know there are certain websites that I go to and I know that I can get what I need, but I hate going to the website because they're just difficult. Search is difficult. Um, you know, a, a good example the other day, I ordered some product off of a website and half of the order got split to ship to my house and half of it I've got to go pick up. Now, it's the same order. and I don't know what happened along the way, but I probably clicked one button and it was the wrong button, but the system wasn't smart enough to know that I didn't want to split that order. So I don't have a good relationship with that supplier today because I felt like they failed me there. Could have been I failed myself, but I feel like they failed me. Um, so you've got, to, you've got to use that online um, order process and you got to think of it as a relationship because that's what e-commerce, it is. it's a transactional the, relationship no doubt it's transactional but you're in the services business and, and you and, can't forget that yeah that, i think that's that's really important when we think about wanting to have you know e-commerce and you know industrial distribution obviously all shapes and sizes are wrestling with the fact that their buyers online they increasingly want the convenience factors they want the price they want they want no friction they want the ability to have a great experience, get what they need, get in and out, and um, and know that they can trust, you know, that you'll deliver, you know, that value, uh, you know, cost, yeah. time it takes, you know, all those things they also perceive. Um, you know, I think, you know, sh- switching gears here, you know, one of the things that with your background, being a marketer in an industrial business, which um, I would argue there's probably been different perceptions of the value and role of marketing in businesses that you've been associated with over the years, you know? And so, you know, you know, kind of the premise is this, Randy, it's like, it's always been part of the head marketer, whether it's the chief marketing officer or VP of marketing um, to drive growth, you know, um, or enablement 
of sales at you know its most tactical level, but but certainly growth we're seeing that more, and it's now becoming this growth this expectation that you know these head marketers are more accountable for delivering on the growth numbers with digital and things like that, and so not only are these CMOs responsible for delivering on that growth agenda, but they're also accountable for designing and defining you know really you know what 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 this what what how we get to growth is for the rest of the organization so you know what do you see as these new sets of responsibilities and you know opportunities from your standpoint whether it's past present and future of where the head marketers lies on delivering on that growth agenda yeah so i'll go back to what i said earlier you know um i think that your chief marketing officer needs to have a seat at the table with the rest of the business leaders and um, that that is that is uh, important from the standpoint that they have to understand the the metrics and the mechanisms within the business that allow you to stay in business. And you have to grow. You have to have profitable growth. And if you, as a marketer, don't understand a P and L and a balance sheet, you probably have a problem. You're not going to get it all the way to the top level of the organization like you need to. You're not going to understand the things that you can truly do to drive that growth and to drive in particular profitable growth for the organization if you don't have that seat at the table. So we we do try to make sure that our marketing folks have a seat at the table, uh, in particular our chief marketing officer, but also the vice president of marketing has a seat at the table. They understand what drives the business, what are the key metrics and the key performance values that drive the business, and they understand how they can have a part in in, uh, helping in that regard. So that is critical in my mind. Um, You know, James, I've always said, if you look at all of the great companies out there, and you pick one, I don't care which one you pick, but you pick a company that is a market leader, and you look at them and you say, what do they all have in common? What do all market leaders have in common? And I will tell you nine out of 10 times, if not more, they are great marketers first, great manufacturers or great service providers second. So I think that marketing leads the way. I could name a couple of brands and I could say, what, what, what do you think about this brand? And you, immediately you're going to know something about the brand. You're going to know something about what they produce. But in your mind, you're going to know that you know, they're a great marketer. They've got the mind share. They've captured your mind share. And if they capture your mind share, I can pretty much assure you they're going to capture your wallet share. So being a great marketer is first and foremost my book, the, the one of the main keys to success for any business. So, so on that, you know, if I've, I've heard you correctly, there's – you know, this, it seems to be that there's this, well, there is this mindset, like you're, you're, the, you're the president of Motion Industries, you have a, a, a chief marketing officer, you have a VP of, of, of marketing, you spend time with them. Um, you know, this is truly something that's, that's there. You know, one, one of the things I've noticed, and maybe looking back and, and forth on this, is that, you know, the, you know, this role of the chief marketing officer is somewhat new. Uh, Randy, like looking at the industry week, even 1000 or, or industry week, North American 500, you know, top manufacturers, you know, pull out Apple and pull out others, but the ones that are truly industrial B2B focused, um, if you look in their leadership ranks, they don't have a chief marketing officer. And 
And if they do, you know, you know, there's a report that came out called the CMO lifestyle cycle, you know, found that the average, you know, chief marketing officer tenure is, you know, 43 months, <laughs> uh, about three and a half years, and it's about half the tenure of a CEO, you know, so in, in that context, um, why, you know, why do you think that's the case where we see such churn? Is there still, you know, why is there still a gap in there being, if that's the case with brand and, and how it's a distinguished, you know, marketing is a distinguishing function next to innovation, right? Manufacturing innovation. Why do we still see such holes in the fact that there is not even someone leading the function in very big businesses? I think it's probably the fact that uh, many of the leaders of, of companies don't understand the value of marketing to their business. Therefore, they don't provide a seat at the table for the CMO. Therefore, the CMO gets, you know, bored, uh, not heard, and, and moves on. Uh, they're looking for somebody that uh, shares the same values and the message that they share. And, you know, quite frankly, I, I will tell you this, um, you know, I worked for Baldor for 21 years. They understood the value of marketing. The, the CEO and chairman of the business, he was a great marketing genius, no doubt about it. But he was also a genius in other areas of factoring. But, it, you know, I think that there are a lot of CEOs that just don't understand what marketing is all about. They don't understand the value of marketing. I'll give you a perfect example. When companies enter a period of slowing or recession, what's the first thing they cut? What's the first expense they cut? Marketing, advertising. Why do they do that? They think that they're saving money. It's just the opposite. When things are slow, when businesses slow down, when you're in a recession, what do you need, what do you need to do first and foremost? You need to retain and capture mind share of your customers because mind share leads to wallet share. How do you increase and grow your mind share? You invest in marketing. You don't cut marketing, but too often I see companies that the first thing they do when times get a little tough is they cut their marketing budgets. They cut their advertising and promotion budgets. That's not what I do. I invest in it. I just told our, our CMO a couple of weeks ago, you know, as we're going through this pandemic right now, you know, he said, maybe we should cut advertising and promotion. I said, no, 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 just do the opposite. Maintain and add a little bit to it. And that's exactly what we're doing right now, because we're going to come out of this period stronger and better with more mind share. And we're going to take wallet share as we come out of this, because we, we're there. We're front and center. That's what marketing does. Those are really interesting instincts. So, you know, as you really look at, you know, looking at, you know, what could be a contrarian, you know, um, action, which is actually, you know, increasing risk and investing in marketing, you know, you're actually looking at more from an opportunity standpoint. Um, uh, is, is that correct? You see that more as an opportunity since people are not putting the money in uh, and, and, and making that investment? Well, I mean, I guess you could call it, I guess you could call it an opportunity. I see it as just good business practices, frankly. Um, you know, you, you just have to, uh, you have to believe in the power of marketing. You know, that's one of the things that a lot of uh, companies that are run purely from a financial standpoint, you know, if, if, if they have a CFO that is running the company, for example, a lot of times they don't see the value of marketing and they want to know, they want you to, you know, give me a, give me a return on that marketing investment. And if you believe that, 
you have to have a defined return on that marketing investment, I think you're probably not uh, going to get what you expect out of it because marketing is about the future. It's not about the present. And you cannot define the return on future investments uh, definitively. You, there is some risk involved in it there. But if you, if you take the right risk and if you're calculative about it, and you have a good strategy and a good plan, you'll get the returns you're looking for. You'll get the returns, but you, you have to believe in the power of marketing and you have to do a good job with your marketing activities. You said a couple incredible things, I think. Um, so actually one of the things I'm, I'm, I've been studying, um, I went back to the McGraw-Hill studies and looked at about 14 recessions um, of all shapes and sizes since the Great you know, Depression. And looking at the past four or five, um, you've seen the pattern where a lot of manufacturers pulled back on marketing and one of the first things they did. And as you look at every one of these studies, the ones that actually kept investing outperformed the ones that didn't. Even after they emerged, when everyone started to kind of get back into marketing and things like advertising, they still outperformed those other companies and you've seen it. So essentially what, it, what the studies are confirming now that you've looked at, you know, closely looking at most recent data from the Great Recession, you know, now as we look at this pandemic recession that we're going to be having, that we're in, um, it really basically says if you want to watch your Tesla stock go down and then you lock in that loss, go for it. Like, you, 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 you know, you sell, you, you locked it in. And, and what it's showing is if you actually stick with the marketing or if you, you cut back, you're locking in potentially losses. And, 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 and by investing, the data is showing you're, you're actually outperforming that mindset as, you know, delivering and being present, delivering value um, and, and innovating through marketing and what how you recalibrate a value and hopefully keep that innovation engine going to the extent you can, you'll do really well. Um, and so that, that's a super important trend. And the next thing you said that was pretty, I think, incredible to hear was this concept of believing, right? Like, why are they not doing it at some level? Um, you know, I, I believe, and from my experience, you know, creating industrial marketing is the fundamental problem in the market we were here to solve is that for the most part, marketing in the industrial sector is missing, mismanaged, or misunderstood. You know, I think the key here, though, is, is that uh, you've got to have something to market. Uh, that's a problem. You're probably not going to get a return. But if you're marketing a solution for your customers, that's when the opportunities present themselves. That's when you grow market share. You've got to market an a solution to your customers that provides them an opportunity to increase their revenue, decrease their expenses, something that helps their P&L. Because at the end of the day, we're all in business to make a profit. Yeah, and so it, maybe if you have solutions to market, great. If you don't, you know, don't waste your money. Yeah, exactly. If you're not delivering value, if you're not providing value in that new context, it's it's about productivity, it's competitiveness, it's innovation, right? Your your part isn't on a or motor isn't as high performing or efficient motor, right? Um, but but I, I agree. You can't just market for marketing's sake. But, but that belief thing, if marketing is missing, mismanaged, and understood, Brandy, you know, by you saying that the leader not believing, I've actually believe that is the root cause, fundamental reason why we still have a big marketing gap in the sector is that it's a belief issue. The leader 
does not believe in marketing. They don't trust it. They have a bad relationship. Well, they don't know it. And maybe that's exactly right. And, the, and so, so it's a, so we've got to get folks believing in the power and potential of it, whether it's attribution and all these other things, like, is it a belief and relationship issue or understanding issue? I think it's a combination of three, but how do you see that? Like, what's, is it truly come down to the leader being the issue? Well, I don't know if it's strictly the leader being the issue, but the leader certainly has the opportunity to either uh, promote marketing or not. And I've worked for people that didn't understand marketing, which is something you just commented on. They didn't understand what marketing really was all about. So therefore, they didn't believe in it. I've worked for people that thought that it was better to spend their money somewhere else and not invest in marketing. And as a result, you got pretty stagnant growth, you know, but your studies are proving out what we're talking about here. You know, if, if you look at the companies that invest in marketing in good times and bad times, they're typically going to outperform those that don't, particularly if they're in the same sector, right? And, and, and you also mentioned something that I think is very important, and that's innovation. And I don't care if it's innovation of product or innovation of services. If you've got something that's different, that's innovative, that saves your customer time or money or reduces their cost to operate, and you're keeping it all to yourself, well, shame on you. You know, market the heck out of it. Get that mind share because that mind share will eventually turn into wallet share if you have a true solution that you can offer your customers. So too often I see companies that, that just don't do a good job. And, you know, I've spent half my career on the manufacturing side and half on the distribution side. And, and I will tell you that, you know, it's done poorly on e equally on each side. There are some manufacturers that do well, but most don't do a great job of marketing. There are some distributors that do well, and then there are a lot of distributors that don't do well at marketing. So you have to believe it. It has to be driven from the top down. And uh, it's just not something that, that, you know, a marketing, a CMO, as you talked about, is going to spend their whole career trying to convince their leaders that marketing is important. They're going to move on. Yes. So if the leader doesn't feel like marketing is important, guess what? Nobody else in the company will either. Yep. And those are the companies that will never see the top spot in market share in the respective industries that they're in. I think on that point, Randy, like to, to your point, like um, I think, what do you think about this? Is this the time where a marketer that really does their work and there may be, you know, the, the functions missing in the business, the CEO doesn't understand it. And, and you know, keep in mind, sometimes leaders, you know, trust their people, even though they don't get it, you know, they support it. Right. But, 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 but is this, in your mind, a moment where an ambitious marketer who cares about the business can actually be a CMO one day, a mid-level marketer saying, this is the vision. Like maybe it's a Raleigh, you know, born from Like I'm this person. I believe we can change our stars. And, and do you think it's that moment for that people can go in those industrial business for our audience listening that I'm listening to this conversation do you think there's that appetite where they can come in and make that case for marketing? I think that there are people that can come in and get the mind of the CEO or the leaders in the company and 
make them understand because you said something a minute ago that I think is important. Um, you know, as different leaders in the company uh, move up the ranks, uh, they've come from disciplines that are maybe financial based or maybe manufacturing based or, you know, maybe HR. And they really didn't have the exposure to the benefits of marketing and what the what value marketing truly brings. So if you're in that marketing role, you have an obligation to educate the senior leaders in the organization of the value of marketing. Now, if you're pounding your head against a brick wall, at some point it hurts and you stop. So if you don't have leaders that want to listen and want to be educated, um, you know, you've got a problem. But if you've got leaders in the business that have an open mind and an open ear and you've got a good story and, and you've got a good solution to offer yeah i think people can change and i think they will embrace marketing in a, to a greater extent than what they may be embracing it today so i wouldn't give up and i do think there's opportunity and i think marketing person in the organization um that is is you know pushing for more uh, mind share of marketing within the leadership team. Um, I think those people need to have a seat at the table. And I think the leaders of the businesses should listen to them. You know, I, I think that gets into the big issue, right? Money, right? Um, if you want to get at the table, money's going to come up very often, right? And, and the cost there. It does. And, and, you know, and, and so, you know, from your experience in starting to have this conversation about the efficacy of marketing, like, you know, um, one of the things I've looked at, you know, is that, you know, only 45% of chief financial officers believe that their head marketers are delivering on their organizational growth agenda. So in, in the context of making the case for marketing and how have you seen that? How do they break through? Because these CFOs got to make their bets on a lot of asks for money, right? And priorities. I don't want to bash the CFOs out there because... Uh, a CFO, you know, a good CFO can make you or break you, right? So um, CFOs are important as well. But, but you know, and I get it because a lot of money is spent in marketing. I think it goes back to some of the comments we've made earlier. Um, it's very hard to define what the return on invested capital is for marketing. But a good marketing officer can define that in terms of share growth, wallet share. Um, they do have a hand in it. And if they do have a good marketing plan, and a lot of marketing plans are measurable, even uh, today with, with a lot of the digital marketing, it's very measurable, so more so than it has been in the past. So I do think that if you have a good marketing plan together, if you do have metrics in place to measure the return on the investment, um, I think it's a pretty easy case to make to the CFO and to the CEO of a company of why they should continue to invest in marketing. But you've got to have a good plan. You have to have solutions that will make your customers come by from you. If you don't have those, you know, you've got a problem. Yep. Uh, but, you know, I think, that, uh, I think that, that there's certainly an opportunity for every uh, CMO to have a better seat at the table, to, to be involved in the decision-making and the planning. But, you know, also to understand the metrics of the business. If a CMO doesn't understand the metrics of the business and what keeps the doors open, and that's generating a profit, then it doesn't matter. The CMO is not going to be hurt. So, you know, there's, uh, it's a higher level of marketing 
than there has been in the past because there are more, how should we say, there are more ways to determine the value of marketing within an organization than there's ever been before. And I, and I think that that's what frees us. I think that's what gives us our swagger as marketers is if you can start to get a baseline, right? Because people like don't know where you took them if you don't know where you started, right? This is where we're starting, whatever metric you're right. at, marketing. And if a leader doesn't have that context of where they started, they won't have a context of where you took them. And what I've found over the years and is that um, when you are actually creating a culture around measurement and you're educating folks, you're saying, hey, I know this is not your strong suit or, hey, can I help you understand this? Can I tell you why these are important metrics? Um, um, not only just don't look at just the initial sale, but look at the lifetime. Let's say it's a metric on, yes, but wait a minute, but our lifetime average value for a customer is this amount. Heck yeah, we'd spend that. And I think what, when you get to that point, when you understand and establish marketing readiness with like critical success metrics, lifetime value, customer acquisition costs, rescission rate, and when you lose them, average bookings, first year, lifetime cost, you know, your, your, your customer acquisition cost, the lifetime value ratios, do you know that should be a three to one, all those types of things. What I find is leadership are not debating the efficacy of marketing. They're debating how to do it better, but you have to have the measures. And I think that's where that trust and that belief comes in. Let me add one thing. When I was, when I was running the marketing team for Motion, one of the things that I challenged marketing was to come up with better ways to provide information to our sales force to help them win more business on the streets and we took a look at existing customers okay and we said okay what is the business that this customer's in and let's compare it to other customers we have in our database in the same industry but maybe a different size uh, what products they buy how often they buy them what price do we sell them and so on and so forth so we created a a pretty extensive database on every customer that we called a window of opportunity. And by comparing the data from other customers we have and some of, some of the additional outside information we were able to pull from various databases like Dun & Bradstreet and others, we were able to, to pinpoint for any specific customer which products were not selling them that we knew that they bought roughly the price that they paid for them, and what that dollar value of opportunity was. We called it a window of opportunity for every customer. Now, that's when marketing and sales come together to really take advantage of share growth. And you can, you can pinpoint the exact value that marketing brings to the table at that point. Yeah, absolutely. But that took time. It took development of this very extensive database. It took the salespeople believing in the data, which a lot of times salespeople don't believe in the data that marketing provides. So, so there has to be, um, you know, a belief on both sides of the value of marketing and the data that marketing provides. And sales has to be, uh, be receptive to it. Yeah. So when you look at that window of opportunity we created on every customer, I guarantee you in some customers it doubled the amount of business we did with them. And there's no better customer than one you already have. So, you know, uh, this is a good opportunity where our good, a good example, this is a really good example where marketing and sales came together to grow wallet share.
Yeah, uh, and, and the power of data and understanding the profile and the patterns and creating the organizational trust um, to pursue and, and, and you know, data-driven marketing is, is super important. And you know, there's what, 258,000 manufacturers in the United States of all shapes and sizes, all but 3,800 you know, are you know, less than 500 employees. Um, there's a, there's, you yeah. know, that's not looking at all the facilities that you guys look at at motion industries, right? Like that's just the businesses. So, so, um, there's a lot of places and there's something to be said by focusing and eliminating, <laughs> you know, folks that don't meet a good pattern. It's or, true. And, and because we only have so much. It's time. true. Our, our customers that our customers that buy a product mix that you really don't make a lot of money on. If, if you can identify that and you can identify that they're never going to buy the other products that you do make more money on, you know, how much time do you want to spend with that customer? So, it's money. you know, the data, the data drives behavior. Um, it drives customer behavior, but it also drives our salespeople and our organizational behavior uh, when we have good data and only marketing can provide that. Yeah. Think of that those days back of working at a machine shop. You only have so much capacity. Um, you know, your landed cost or profit per part, right, provided is super important. And if you keep that capacity, you know, working on a low margin part, like you can really, really affect your business by not picking the ideal types of projects you bring through that machine shop. And by understanding that profile, zeroing, zeroing in your message on that profile, understanding what they want, what are those secondary operations you have to do on that part, everything that goes into it, the right certifications, the messaging, all we live is in this aerospace component with these types of metals, with these types of processes, you know, whatever. Um, that is a very powerful thing. You're just doing it at scale, you know, maybe a, a, across an install base of product or that, and data is going to have a big part. Randy, this is really exciting. When, when you think about where you are today at Motion and the role of marketing and marketing leadership in the business, what excites you most? Well, I think what excites me most is the, the speed of change right now in the marketing area. Um, you know, as, as more and more customers are moving to digital, online, connected purchases as opposed to face-to-face -face selling, we have to respond accordingly. So uh, we've, we're investing in marketing. We're investing in our digital resources. Uh, we are investing not just, not just money and software, but also in people. Because at the end of the day, it's the people that put the technology to use. And uh, I think we've got a good marketing group today. I think we will continue to augment that going forward. And what's really cool about that is uh, it brings a lot of young talent into the organization with different thoughts and different ideas. And, and to me, that's what's exciting. So stay tuned with Motion because you're going to see more marketing opportunities and more marketing coming out of Motion than you've ever seen before. I believe in marketing. That's where I cut my teeth long ago. And uh, look where it got me, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I do believe in it. And, and I think uh, we will continue to invest in marketing in a big way uh, for a, a long time in the, near, in the future, for a long time in the future. Well, we're here. Randy, thank you so much. For, for being on industrial strength marketing. Um, you really embody the aspiration we hope for in the industrial sector. Folks that 
get it, want it, and have the capacity to do it. And that's marketing and making marketing the strength of their business. So on that note, Randy, is there anything that we can do to check you out or see what's happening? Uh, what, 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 what does the motion industry's customer base need to do to know about all the great things you can do for them? Well, you know, it's, it's real simple. Just go to our website, motionindustries.com. Uh, if you can't get to the website, there's over 650 locations throughout North America. Stop in and see us. Um, but rest assured, motion's going to be there. You know, uh, we are an essential business to this manufacturing and industrial economy, and we're going to be around for a long time providing solutions. It's our responsibility to make sure that we market them correctly so that all of those customers out there know where to go when they need solutions to the problems that they're having. So motionindustries.com, James, that's the simple way to get there. I appreciate you. I appreciate the show. And uh, I wish you all the best, James. Okay. Thank you, Randy. Wow. Keeping industry in motion, right? Motion industries, keeping industry in motion. Well, that's a wrap for today. Thank you, Randy, bro. We really appreciate you. And this is all about helping you make marketing the strength of your business. We really appreciate you listening. Like, subscribe, share, listen to us, write a review. We want to be better every day. So focus, get with your leadership team. It's your moment in time. Make the case for marketing. Help them believe. Get into the data. Really focus on that mind and wallet share. Randy's brought some really great perspective. Someone who's been there, done that, just like you. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Industrial Strength Marketing, the show that inspires industrial leaders, innovators, and marketers just like you to make marketing strength of their business. So find us on social and head on over to industrialstrengthmarketing.com to check out the show notes and find more episodes. We'll see you soon.